it becomes more important to eat more protein the older you get. So, uh, you know, young, you can, yeah, get away with less protein, but older, you generally need more protein. And uh, in the elderly, in like 70s or 80-year-olds, then um, higher protein days are better for them. Resetters, Dr. Mindy here, and I am on a mission to teach you just how powerful your body was built to be. This podcast is about giving you the power back and helping you believe in yourself again. Let's jump in. On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you Simland. So I hope you all know who he is. If you don't, I hope you go and follow his content because he has got some great information on fasting and autophagy, which is what we're going to talk about in this episode. We have, by the way, I have very few episodes that are specifically dedicated to the healing mechanisms that happen in fasting, and many of you have asked me for them, so... I brought you Simland. He has an incredible YouTube channel. So the first thing I want to let you know is he's a fellow YouTuber and you should go check out his YouTube channel. Second thing I want you all to know is that I really wanted to dive into all the nuances of autophagy. And let me tell you why. So if you're not familiar with the concept of autophagy, it is your cells ability to heal themselves. And everything I teach and and talk about here on the Resetter Podcast is about giving you the healing power back. So much of our world, we have given the power to doctors, we have given the power to medication or even to supplements or even now to biohacks. But honestly, you're the power. And when we go and we look at autophagy, we and study it and we see that our brilliant, intelligent body has this inner repair system, all of a sudden we become in awe of ourselves. And so every question that has been asked or the main questions, I should say, that have been asked about autophagy, I wanted to dive into here with Sim. And a large part of why I chose him was because he knows the science and he applies it himself. And um, he also has tied in some really interesting thoughts around exercise and autophagy and nutrients and autophagy. So if you're curious about this incredible healing response that lives within the trillion of cells in your body, this is your episode. And let me tell you a little bit about the specificity of, of what we talked about. So many of you have asked, collagen in my coffee, does that pull me out of autophagy? Amino acids in in a drink during my fasting window, does that pull me out of autophagy? How much protein pulls me out of autophagy? Do I need, when do I go into autophagy? What kind of herbs are going to help me in and out of autophagy? I love in here, he talks about, we need to look at autophagy as like wax on, wax on wax off. You go into autophagy, you come out of it, and you do this periodically throughout the day. So it's a really deep conversation on a miraculous healing process, and I'm so excited for you all to geek out with me on it. Of course, as always, if you have questions, please leave them for us. If you love this episode, please share it with the world. What I love about autophagy is we can heal ourselves. That's what that word means to me. And the more we understand about how powerful we are, the more we can line up our health habits with our own healing power. So Simland, autophagy, all your questions, excited to bring this one to you.
Hey, Recenters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled. And let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. So I just think, want to thank you for being here. I, You know, as a fellow YouTuber, um, you probably know that videos on autophagy are very popular. People really want to know about autophagy. So can we start with what autophagy is and why does it fascinate you so much? Why do you think, and everybody, why do you think everybody's so fascinated by it? Mm. Yeah, well, I think the reason why it has become popular was, you know, in uh, maybe 2018, 2019, where it started mostly uh, primarily after the, you know, I don't know, like recognition of this one of the Nobel Prize winners, um, Japanese yeah. researcher, and uh, he pretty much showed that, you know, autophagy is important for many things uh, and uh, affects like lifespan and longevity as well. And I think that's when people yeah, started to make, I, I probably there was like a few viral videos talking about the Nobel Prize. And from there on, I personally, you know, stumbled upon it myself as well and started to, yeah, connect it with fasting. I was doing fasting already before that. And uh, that's where, okay, this is actually an additional benefits of fasting that you get yeah. this increased in autophagy. And for those who don't know, then, um, yeah, autophagy is this intracellular uh, process of uh, cell turnover is you know like fundamentally what it is but yeah it helps to recycle different components in the cells and uh, eliminate like debris and the junk material but uh, beyond that autophagy is also you know involved with 
uh, eliminating of uh, pathogens and bacteria and yeah, like even viruses in some cases. And uh, yeah, it's involved in the brain, it's involved in the muscles and uh, the gut. So um, yeah, yeah it's a, like a very fundamental process of uh, just uh, the way your body operates and uh, cleans itself. Um, but um, yeah, the benefits are kind of multifold that I uh, just uh, alluded to. Yeah, a hundred percent. I always think of it like a self-cleaning oven. Like when you stimulate it, you turn it on and it like the cells clean themselves. I feel like the 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 um, word on the street around autophagy is everybody thinks of it as detox. But mm. if you actually look at it, it's not completely analogous with detox. What it, Do you feel like we can use detox as another way to look at autophagy or is that giving it not enough credit? Um, yeah, I think autophagy goes beyond detox um, yeah. because, you know, with autophagy, you can also remove these uh, broken mitochondria, which is called uh, mitophagy or mitochondrial autophagy. And I don't think that happens with a detox or like regular detoxification practices. It doesn't happen. And uh, you can also like uh, see autophagy happening in the brain, in the brain and uh, clearing out pack and uh, debris material there. So, yeah, I think the autophagy goes beyond just uh, detoxification and uh, yeah, like when it comes to, let's say, longevity and lifespan, then um, there's, yeah, multiple uh, animal studies at least showing that autophagy is linked to like aging pathways as well. And like blocking autophagy or uh, not seeing adequate amount of autophagy accelerates the aging of uh, different mice. And like, especially if they're like genetically mutated, <laughs> that they don't express autophagy, that's where they see that uh, they don't live longer. Uh, even right. if they are under calorie restriction, which is kind of interesting. So that kind of shows that it's not only always the calorie restriction that is important, but also like the different pathways that get activated uh, during that time, especially like autophagy. And more so, we can also tell you that, okay, how can we mimic uh, those effects without necessarily, you know, doing certain activities, like whether that be severe calorie restriction or maybe prolonged fasting in some cases. So how can we like, you know, by-step by them to a certain extent and still gain uh, those benefits? You know, this, you bring up a really good point. And I, because, um, you know, I love to fast. I feel like it's the easiest thing you can do to stimulate autophagy, but there are a lot of other ways that we can stimulate yeah. autophagy. I don't feel like they're as good based off of what I am seeing in the research. I feel like fasting is your best path towards autophagy. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, well, I do think that it's, yeah, one of the easiest ways or like you don't have to really do anything. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's hard to also say, think, you know, we don't know how much autophagy you need and uh, how much is good. Like, you know, so there are also like a lot of negative side effects to autophagy. Like uh, it can for sure, you know, you know, for first of all, you can like fast too much that you start to lose muscle, etc. And that's also like harmful for longevity. And there's some instances where autophagy can also uh, promote like metastasis uh, of uh, some viruses, etc., not directly that autophagy is bad, but just because of the, uh, you know, the energy that's, cre that's created during that process of autophagy is also like just hijacked or, um, you know, the energy is kind of stolen by these other uh, viruses or, or something else. So there are like, you know, reasons to not have too much autophagy and we don't know how much is too much. So, yeah, I'd much rather look at, yeah, uh, the yeah. activities that do increase autophagy and their associations with longevity. So fasting is, yeah, for sure, for thousands of years, and uh, many cultures have used fasting and uh, 
I do think that is, is acute enough of evidence to suggest that it has a lot of benefits. Uh, but to answer your question then, more directly then, I would say that, you know, the fastest way to actually activate autophagy is probably like exercise. So, uh, oh, interesting. You, because, yeah, there are studies show that even like 30 minutes of high intensity exercise can increase autophagy as well. And we also know that exercise is also good for longevity and uh, one of the like cornerstones or cornerstones of being healthier overall. Uh, so I do think that you kind of need to do both, uh, to do some form of fasting, but also to exercise for sure, because, you know, exercise increases autophagy, uh, but it also does a lot of other things that are good for the brain and uh, cardiovascular health. And uh, yeah, you see like yeah. fasting mimics some aspects of exercise, like it mimics the aspects of improving insulin sensitivity and reduced blood sugar levels and lower blood pressure and the activation of all these other longevity pathways. Uh, but with exercise, you do also see this increased uh, fitness so that you have like more muscle mass and uh, more VO2 max and uh, those kind of things. So um, is it a specific type of exercise and is it the, to the same degree? Because one of the things that has come up in my community a lot is how do we measure autophagy? How do we know? I love what you're saying. Like we don't, we don't have enough information to know how often we should be stimulating it. We just know that it's this incredible self-repair system that we haven't been talking enough about. So there's no way to really know if you're doing too much or too little as far as I've seen. And mm. when it comes to exercise, what I've seen is that it's a specific type of exercise that increases autophagy. Is, is that correct? Um, well, I think that actually both will do. Uh, like resistance training as well as cardio exercise, both will do it. Uh, I think, yeah, like the difference is like how fast are they going to do it? Mm. So what, what is going to basically determine... You know, like, yeah, like the autophagy isn't like this on and off switch. There is something happening all the time. It's just that at a certain point, it accelerates more. And that like uh, time gate at which it happens is determined by your liver glycogen status. So mm -hmm. your liver glycogen regulates the energy and nutrient sensing pathways in the body like AMPK and mTOR. So mm -hmm. uh, once your liver glycogen is low, which happens when you're fasting or when you're exercising a lot, then after that, you activate the AMPK pathway, which is like this ketotic pathway that promotes uh, ketosis and uh, fat oxidation and autophagy and uh, catabolism, essentially. And uh, yeah, that's where it happens. With uh, fasting, you see that the liver glycogen stores tend to deplete within like 16 hours or, or 24 hours. They're going to be probably depleted completely. Uh, with exercise you know, depends on how long you exercise and what type of exercise it is. If you're doing cardiovascular exercise, then, uh, yeah, it may take like an hour or something, I think, or also depends on like if you do it in a faster state or if you do it in a, in, in if you're already in ketosis, then it's probably going to take a shorter time. Whereas compared yeah. to doing the cardio um, after having eaten like 500 grams of carbs or something like that. Uh, so it depends right. on, on those things. And uh, yeah, I think what I like to think about is exercise is just accelerating the process of going into autophagy, uh, whereas fasting is kind of, you know, you can't um, exercise for, you know, five hours a day. <laughs> You're going to have to take right. a break, whereas right. you could fast for, you know, even three days in a row without any problems. So, yeah, you know, I think it's, yeah, for sure good to do this time sheet eating and uh, at fast at least 16 hours or maybe 14 hours at least uh, per day and to deplete the liver glycogen and go into some aspects of autophagy and ketosis. Uh, and then at like certain time points, uh, use exercise as well as a, like a gas pedal or something uh, to accelerate it uh, more.
So like stacking them together and would be enhance autophagy. What I'm curious on is that if glycogen is, uh, we see glycogen stores in the liver, we also see it in the muscles, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're exercising, you're actually going after the muscle glycogen. And when you're fasting, you're going after liver in the most mm. concise way I can explain that. So if you're fasted you're, and the liver glycogen is coming down and you're going into a, a cardio workout, you're bringing skeletal muscle glycogen down because it has to use that glucose to be able to perform its, its duties. Um, would that be of benefit if like somebody wants to lose weight, somebody wants to get fit, somebody wants to get healthy? Would, would you recommend coming at these different glycogen stores and stimulating them together like that in a stacking form? Uh, yeah, I mean, doing them combined is uh, for sure, I think, more optimal than doing one alone. Um, and um, with, uh, with cardio, cardio, uh, I think, yeah, it depends on the intensity of the cardio that you're doing. Right. So you, you will start to burn uh, the muscle glycogen with cardio as well, if you um, exceed the VO2 uh, threshold, VO2 max uh, threshold, uh, which is like when you start to switch into the anaerobic state. And uh, usually it's like 65% of your VO2 max is where you start to burn muscle glycogen. But below that, you burn primarily fat and liver glycogen. So any kind of this mm. low intensity cardio is where you burn the liver glycogen more. And uh, when you do like hit cardio or sprints and uh, that kind of thing, that's where you start to burn muscle glycogen. I don't think muscle glycogen directly affects autophagy uh, because it doesn't affect uh, ketosis either. Like you can have full muscle glycogen and still be in ketosis. Uh, so the liver glycogen is probably where the energy measurement or where your body detects the energy status. And the muscle glycogen is only used like as, as a backup fuel to uh, right. do these high intensity uh, activities. Right. Um, but still, like there's also like studies showing that the resistance training which is like an anaerobic activity that also activates autophagy. And um, probably the reason for that is uh, because of this like high amounts of energy stress. Um, so yeah, any kind of physiological stress still promotes autophagy as well by activating the AMPK pathway. So AMPK is also not only linked to the liver glycogen, but it's also like this uh, physiological stressor detector almost. And uh, you see that with uh, saunas, for example. Saunas also help with autophagy, uh, cold exposure, and uh, I mean even like you know coffee, which uh, is right. also like this calorie restriction mimetic technically by turning on these uh, pathways and having an autophagy effect. And do you think what I did a recent uh, video on the different types of autophagy throughout the body? Like we have, like you, you mentioned mitophagy. I recently uh, did some research on the endocrine system. They have a label for that. They call it crinophagy. I was yeah. like, oh my God, I didn't even know there's a whole set of uh, autophagy mechanisms within the endocrine system. Is it the same concept? It's just, can we just look at autophagy as it's just cleaning these cells up so that they work more efficiently? It, and we give them fancy names, but really the, at the base of what autophagy is, it's just repair, it's self-repair. Would you agree? Or do I need to look, do we need to look at these, the endocrine system uses a, the, stimulates autophagy different than the mitochondria? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's probably much easier and uh, yeah, more effective to look at it as the yeah, like umbrella term autophagy. Because yeah, I've also looked at it, and there's maybe the ones I found. I didn't hear hear about the endocrine, endocrine system autophagy, but I found like yeah, maybe like dozen other names like virophagy, right. viruses, immunophagy, agrophagy, 
pexophagy, <laughs> glycophagy. So yeah, like there's a yeah different maybe organs and different uh, parts of the body uh, that go through that process. But yeah, generally there's there's you know main there's three like main types, which is like macroautophagy, microautophagy, and chaperone mediated autophagies. But they're all like you know autophagy essentially. Right. And uh, macroautophagy is the describes this um, cell cleanup. And there's no way to like, you can't like go into a workout and be like, I'm going to clean up my endocrine system right now. Like your body decides where it needs the most cleanup is that we just apply the techniques and the body is so intelligent. It figures it out. Is that, would you look at it like that? I think so. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't have like, or we don't have any like measurements or ways to measure that I know of, but I think, I think that will, that's how probably would work. Yeah. Um, because that's how the like exercise side also uh, works. Yeah. yeah. And on the measurement thing, why don't we have any measurement? Is it too hard to measure? Uh, and I don't know if you know Annette Boz. She also has a, a popular YouTube channel. Uh, she she has a Boz ratio where she looks at glucose over ketones and divides that if it's under like 40, you're in a pretty good amount of autophagy. Do you feel like we, we can use a measurement like that to kind of get into the door in or, or do we just not know? Um, technically, yes, like it can be um, I've, what I've used and heard is the glucose ketone index, um, right. which is, I think, similar. Uh, but um, at least the glucose ketone index would uh, show how deep of a ketosis you are. And I think that generally if you are in ketosis then most likely there will also be increased autology and right. uh, because they are regulated by the same uh, pathways of so this liver glycogen depletion and ampk um with the only caveat to that would be because that uh, you know you can still let's say eat a large steak and like a ton of butter and uh, be in ketosis and with a low glucose ketone index uh but I don't think that in that scenario, you're probably not in like super deep pathology. Um, right. So it's probably like, you know, if you're in a fasted state and you look at the glucose ketone index, then yeah, and probably uh, tell you something. Um, but if you yeah just ate or something, then uh, it's a bit um, yeah hard to tell. Like I don't, uh, yeah, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, this is something that comes up in our community all the time. People are, are confused. They're like, but I'm in ketosis. So shouldn't I be in autophagy? And to your point, like you could go on the carnivore diet, you mm. can get into some deep, deep ketosis, but you are definitely not stimulating autophagy because of the influx of protein and amino acids. So mm. one of the nuances with autophagy that I see isn't expressed enough is that it's stimulated not only from glucose coming down, but it's also stimulated from nutrients coming down specifically amino acids. Would you agree with that statement? Is there something else we need to think about that might pull us out of autophagy other than protein? Uh, yeah, protein is, I think protein could even be like a bigger inhibitor of autophagy than uh, glucose. Oh, interesting. Uh, because, you know, protein directly will stimulate uh, protein synthesis and mTOR, which is kind of the antagonist of yeah. autophagy. Yeah. So mTOR is kind of the growth switch uh, in the body that, uh, yeah, when your body is growing, then it's not really recycling and repairing itself. So they can't, like, coexist evolutionarily. And it's, like, hard to allocate resources to do that. And that's why your body will, you know, detect the energy s- sensors and switches, like AMPK and mTOR. Okay, which one is 
inhibitor, which one is turned on, then I'm going to either grow, build muscle, or um, basically go through uh, self-recycling. So uh, protein and amino acids specifically will stimulate mTOR, and uh, in that, at least in that time, will also inhibit asavage. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the same applies to carbs and uh, glucose and insulin. So, you know, even on a vegan diet, you can still, even if you're like, let's say, low in animal protein, you can still inhibit autophagy by consuming too many carbohydrates mm-hmm. and uh, spiking insulin. Yeah. Uh, other things um, that could inhibit autophagy would be like, you know, I think diabetes can also be uh, something that, like, even if you're fasting, can inhibit mm-hmm. the autophagy mm-hmm. process because mTOR uh, detects also high blood sugar levels. So if you have diabetes, then chances are like your blood sugar levels will you know, stay elevated to a point where you're under the stimulation of mTOR all the time. And uh, that's going to have like a slowdown effect on the process of autology uh, as well. So, yeah. uh, but from a food side, uh, yeah, I mean, proteins, especially like leucine, which is the main right. amino acid for protein synthesis. Uh, but there are like other amino acids that may not do so. Like collagen is, uh, is one of those uh, protein sources that doesn't have like a lot of these PCAs and essential amino acids. So it has only like, you know, hydroxyproline and proline and glycine, mm-hmm. which don't uh, spike or they don't raise mTOR. They're, yeah, like more uh, neutral in that sense. And um, I don't think that they probably don't inhibit autophagy either. So, so that brings up the million dollar question of what do you drink in your fasting window? Like what is, you know, I'm sure you get this question all the time. So, you know, when buttered coffee became so popular, Dave brought it to the world, you know, everybody was using that as a crutch in their fasting window. And then it kind of morphed into collagen. People are putting collagen powder. I can tell you in our community, a lot of people are curious if they take amino acid powder and they Mm. put it in water. Does all of that pull you out of autophagy? What what do we need to know about what we drink in that window? Mineral packets. I know you wrote a book on minerals. Like, are those in the fasting window going to impair autophagy? Um, <laughs> yeah, I w- wish I knew. Or, you know, I theoretically, theoretically, I can say that, uh, you know, things that won't stop autophagy are all these, you know, zero-calorie drinks like uh, coffee, tea, mineral water, uh, even I don't, even like if the thing has like artificial sweeteners, like this maybe electrolyte powders or something like stevia or something, I don't think they will affect autophagy uh, because there's still no like uh, calories in that. Um, so I think those are safe. Amino acid powders like PCAs or essential amino acids. Um, yeah, I think they, those will probably stop the, the autophagy process but uh, how long will it stay uh, suppressed uh, is hard to tell. And right. it also varies greatly between individuals. So the way I actually look at it is, uh, you know, you have to look at your body's energy status in that moment when you consume something. So you could theoretically, yeah, even consume some sugar and still be in ketosis and autophagy if that sugar, like, clears your bloodstream super fast, mm-hmm. like if it goes into muscle cells or if you're just under that much... Uh, calorie restriction or energy stress that the body just you know absorbs it super fast so like if you exercise let's say before and you are let's say fasted already 12 or 16 hours 24 hours then yeah you can even probably drink like some sort of sports drink and uh, still be in autophagy because you're under like you've been exercising so the ampk pathway is already activated so much and you're in already deep ketosis so it probably may not have like 
a significant impact on autophagy or ketosis even, uh, where someone who is like sedentary in the morning, they drink uh, even like, you know, milk in their coffee, then maybe even that small amount of amino acids and sugar could, you know, in that short time frame could inhibit autophagy as well, because their, their energy status is kind of uh, lower or it's not under that much energy stress. So they haven't exercised. They, they're maybe like overweight a little bit, or, you know, they ate a lot of food yesterday as well. So their body's energy demands are much uh, smaller in that, in that uh, scenario. So in that case, it could be that it does inhibit autophagy. So it's hard to tell. It depends on the person. That's interesting. So this actually brings me to a video that you did uh, about what's the best fasting window for autophagy. And based off what you just said, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, if you eat dinner earlier, I, I don't know what you, the window is. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you're going to say. But if you ate dinner earlier and then the next morning you're going to fast, let's say, till two o'clock, um, then your energy reserves are going to be a little lower when you wake up because dinner was the nutrients that went into your body happened at a, an earlier time. So it, what's the best fasting window for autophagy? Let's start there. And I'm curious if it lines up with what I just mentioned. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're correct in that sense that uh, if you uh, go to bed, like with a slightly emptier stomach uh, or like earlier dinner, then uh, in the morning you will already be in deeper autophagy and ketosis uh, compared to having like a late uh, dinner. Right. And uh, that's also coincidentally like I think from the aspect of like what's the most optimal window for autophagy and overall longevity probably, then like some aspect of like earlier time sheet eating where you have maybe like a late lunch or like a very early dinner is probably better than like you know having like a super late dinner um and skipping uh most meals of the day in the other end i would because it, because uh first of all there is like some research also sh showing that uh, this early time eating is beneficial uh and also because uh, a lot of the like autophagy gets uh, processed uh, during sleep uh, together with right. uh, the other anti-aging hormones like melatonin and uh growth hormone and NAD recycling happens mostly during uh, sleep. So like your body will try to do everything together in your sleep where you're repairing itself and having like a bunch of food probably in your system uh, may, you know, inhibit some of those processes. So it's, yeah, probably smarter to, you know, I think you don't need to be having like this, <laughs> like a 3 p.m. dinner or something like that. You, you like maybe like 6 p.m. is good enough uh, and wait at least like three or four hours um, before you go to bed to finish your last meal and yeah. uh, that's already probably gives you like a all the kind of optimal results uh, but yeah generally like a earlier time eating is better you don't need to eat like breakfast uh, but you definitely uh, yeah like so having like an earlier dinner is better is more important than um, having breakfast i think so there's no like real magic to the breakfast i think the magic is that uh, you you uh, skip the dinner or have like an earlier uh, dinner yeah. Yeah. I feel like every, I mean, every, all hormonal intercellular repair is like pointing at eat dinner earlier. It's yeah. definitely better because to your point, when you sleep, your autophagy is, is happens when you sleep. So if you can double stack that, triple stack that, that's amazing. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. 
and we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us, is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Going back to the diabetes person, this one's interesting to me, what you mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago. So when we go into a fasted state, we often see, especially if somebody's wearing like a continuous glucose monitor, we often see blood sugar go up and because the body's releasing that stored glucose. Is that pulling us out of autophagy? Like when we go back to like the, di- the, the, the person with diabetes, maybe they have more stored sugar. So when they fast, that sugar comes out and now they're, they're left with a rise in glucose that pulls them out of autophagy, even though they haven't had any food. So if we see that bl- blood sugar spike in a fasted state, is that pulling us out? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's almost similar to like, um, these studies where people look at a piece of cake and uh, they raise their insulin because of like salivating over the cake. Right. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know, even if it does, I don't think that it has like any real significant effect. Maybe it only stops for a brief moment and then you probably go back faster. Uh, so I don't think, yeah, like that, this misconception that this on and off switch that, you know, even if you have this rise in blood sugar, then you need to fast again for 20 hours to go back into autology. I don't think that's the case. Like, yeah, you may, maybe it decreases a little bit, but then you're, you know, going back into it faster um, after the fact. So, yeah, I think that uh, these probably uh, small ups and downs of the blood sugar don't have like any real effect because I mean, exercise also raises blood sugar and exercise activates autology more. So, um, So, yeah, I don't think that it's going to be, you know, any real, any problem, uh, any problem. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what I always say is that I look at autophagy like a dimmer switch. Like you, sometimes you, it comes on a lot. Sometimes it comes mm. on very little. Sometimes it's completely off. So yeah. uh, it, it, to your switch analogy, it really is like more of a gradual process. Which also leads me to a topic that never, I don't feel like it's enough discussion in the world of autophagy, which is what happens when you turn that intelligence on and it decides, 
hey, this this cell is going to go rogue. This is a bad cell. I need to kill it. And it creates cellular death, which we know is called apoptosis. When that happens, what we're seeing in our community is a lot of detox reaction. People are getting like, you know, fuzzy brain. They may get some rashes. You know, what do we need to know about apoptosis? And is it a good thing? Should we prevent it? You know, with things like heavy metals, if there's cellular death, do those metals get redistributed into the system? These are some some deep questions I have seen just in so many people fasting. I w- I've been mm. curious about it. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I guess from the directly apoptosis side, then, um, yeah, I mean, apoptosis can be good. Apoptosis can be also bad. Uh, you can kill good cells and you can kill bad cells. Um I don't think you can decide, but uh, in I think most cases the body will choose to remove the you know unhealthy cells and cell parts at first for sure. Right. Like, and uh, when it does happen, there could be yeah like some detox symptoms uh, or some toxins are released into the bloodstream. Um, there are ways to you know bind to those toxins like the different binders. Uh, yeah. chlorella and spirina and maybe activated charcoal, uh, yeah. milk thistle, those things uh, can help to bind to those and uh, eliminate some of the detox symptoms. Um, then, uh, But there's also like some uh, people, like uh, Dr. Mercola has created his own like a fasting protocol uh, where he, if I'm not mistaken, then it's yeah, like a, similar to the fasting mimicking diet um, and uh, basically like eating very low calories per day, like only a 500 calories or something for a few days. And uh, that in theory, in his eyes would um, help to yeah prevent some of the severe detox symptoms mm. so that you're not really going into that deep, but you're still getting some of these uh, longevity benefits uh, through the severe calorie restriction. So eating, you know, calorie restriction is also uh, increasing autology, uh, yeah. just eating less and if you are eating only 500 calories, then you are going in a very like semi-fasted state and you're practically uh, fasting even if you are eating. So yeah. in that case, yeah, like you can, for people who um, may struggle with those issues or if they struggle with hunger issues and um, they physically can't fast for, let's say, three days or two days even, then for them, even like a, yeah, this fasting mimicking diet of eating only like, you know, three or 500 calories I think it's still uh, worthwhile because that calorie restriction already is a pretty potent stimulator of uh, autology and these longevity you, you would just need to make sure the protein's not high in that three to five hundred calories. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be pretty, pretty much eating like you know vegetables and um, maybe like some bone broth and yeah collagen, those kind of things, some yeah. healthy fats. What do you think of the the number uh, that gets thrown around a lot is keep your protein under 20 grams. Do you feel like that that's still a good marker if we want to stay in autophagy just to make sure that our protein doesn't go over 20 grams? Uh, per meal or per day or? Uh, I've heard per day, but, you know, the longer I've thought about this, the more I'm going back to the dimmer switch. I'm like, well, just make sure it's not per meal, because what you're trying not to do is take the body out of this repair phase. So mm-hmm. if you break that 20 grams up into little chunks over or you, you eat, tw- you do 20 grams and then three hours later, you do 20 more grams or let's say you do 19. So you don't keep mm-hmm. you don't kick yourself out. 
Um, I think it's more about not triggering the body to go get, go into mTOR, basically. Mm. Do you see what uh, I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, so, um, well, first of all, I mean, there is a, there are benefits of turning on mTOR as well, and there Agreed. are benefits. Yeah. So uh, some sometimes you actually want to eat, yeah, like even thirty or forty grams of protein to. Uh, turn on the protein synthesis and repair your muscle tissue and uh, and help with the recovery. Uh, but from the autophagy side, then I think that depends on your age as well. So uh, mm. younger people need less uh, protein basically to turn on mTOR and, uh, and uh, it's also easier for them to build muscle tissue. So older people, they become more like this anabolic resistant, which means that it's harder for them to turn on protein synthesis and they need a higher amount of protein to achieve that. So for regular adults and younger people, you only need like maybe two grams of leucine, uh, which you mm. can get, yeah, like from 20 grams of protein, um, 25 grams maybe to uh, turn on mTOR and muscle protein synthesis. Whereas for the elderly above 50 or above 60, they may need uh, maybe even three or four grams, so like almost double, uh, to achieve that same effect. Um, yeah, interesting. And in that case, yeah, um, per meal, yeah, I mean, you can still get away with uh, some protein, so it's not that even like one gram of protein is going to stop autophagy or something. Uh, I think, yeah, like if, even if you have, I mean, vegetables have protein and they don't stop autophagy directly. And um, yeah, I guess maybe like, uh, maybe a yeah, 10, 10 grams or 20 grams is probably something that could keep you in keep some aspects of autology. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, that's what uh, I, that's how, that's kind of how I feel too. Like as long as we don't trigger that sensor to kick it out, mm, then, then yeah. you, you know, you're playing, it's like a chemistry experiment you're creating in your body, which is what I, why I love it. What, yeah. You know, a question that comes up for us a lot is, how much time should you spend in autophagy and how much time should you spend in mTOR? And I think um, I, I'd be curious your thoughts on that. And then I'd also be curious your thoughts on we don't want to villainize mTOR. mTOR, to mm. your point, is growth. It's muscle growth. We know now that muscle is the, is the organ of longevity. So what, what do you think about how we move in and out of mTOR and autophagy? Is there an art to doing that? Mm. Well, for sure. I mean, it can become an art um, and it's definitely the science at the same time. So, um, I mean, it still depends a lot on the goals of the individual and how much muscle they want. Uh, so, mm -hmm. like a bodybuilder, um, they probably or they definitely need more mTOR stimulation than, you know, once or twice a day. Uh, they, you know, research suggests that for natural athletes, the optimal amount is four times per day of uh, consuming around 30 grams of protein four times a day to, to like spread out the uh, yeah. protein intake and uh, spike the mTOR multiple times a day for maximum muscle growth uh, for, let's say, females and uh, people who aren't necessarily super or they don't want to build like a ton of muscle, then, you know, you can still build muscle with uh, twice a day or one meal a day as well. Uh, it's just the difference is a bit like uh, the speed at which you can do it. So, uh, yeah. you know, the, the less frequently you spike the mTOR, then the slower you're going to build muscle. But it doesn't mean that you're going to lose muscle and it doesn't mean that you can't build muscle either. It's just going right. to be like a slower uh, process. And, um, you know, um, 
fasting autophagy can also have like actually protective effects against sarcopenia. So autophagy, you know, by eliminating these uh, dysfunctional mitochondria in the muscles, it actually makes the muscle more like resilient against aging and uh, more robust against mm-hmm. kind of catabolic stresses. So you want to do, you know, some aspects of time sheet eating still and exercise. And uh, for most people, I think, you know, maybe like, you know, two, uh, two meals is kind of a good balance. I think uh, two or three meals. Most people don't need to do one meal a day or, mm. or I think that there wouldn't be like any, any like a real or significant advantage to one meal a day over two yeah. meals a day. I think it's already within the 24 hour cycle. Uh, it's uh, already very similar or the yeah. time differences are so small uh, in the 24 hour cycle. So it's not a huge uh, difference. So yeah. like maybe two meals, two to three meals, uh, maybe on some days you can want to do one meal a day. That's also good. Uh, but um, yeah, on a regular basis, two meals and um, still, to turn on the mTOR, then you want to have like some protein and uh, right. you turn on mTOR and to also activate muscle protein synthesis, which will then maintain your muscle tissue uh, to, you know, first of all, help with um, you know, your metabolic health and metabolic rate, even to have more muscle, lean muscle tissue, as well as make it easier to lose fat. And from the longevity side, yeah, like muscle mass is associated with uh, some longevity. Muscle strength is more than muscle mass. But, I mean, you need to have some muscle mass as well to have muscle strength. So uh, the two generally go hand in hand. Uh, yeah. So per meal, you still want to have, like, you know, for uh, most people, most people may under-eat protein a little bit, and uh, they should get at least, you know, depends on the body weight, but at least, you know, 30 grams of protein or 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. And, uh, yeah. Like Does the type... Does the type of protein matter? Because there's a lot of controversy as well as vegan, carnivore. And some of the experts are saying if you're a vegan, you just can't get the vast amount of amino acids that you need to build muscle. Do you? And some people say that vegans just need to supplement. Do you feel like there's a difference when we look at that eating window? We want to stim- stimulate mTOR. We want to come in every couple of hours with 30 grams of protein. What if I do that with plant protein? Is that going to have the same effect as, as a grass fed steak? (laughs) Well, um, animal protein is considered complete protein. So it has all the essential amino acids and plant proteins generally are not complete or they don't have all the essential amino acids. Um, and, uh, yeah, like animal protein will, you can get, the same effect on muscle protein synthesis and mTOR stimulation from less grams of protein. So let's say, for example, to maximize the mTOR with animal protein, you maybe need only 30 grams of protein for meat uh, or on a plant-based protein like beans or uh, legumes or, you know, chickpeas or whatever, then um, to reach that same effect, then you may need like, you know, 50 or 60 grams of protein, which is Good still point. a lot more calories and a lot more beans as well uh, yeah. compared to steak. Uh, but it's still, you know, possible technically, although um, the plant-based uh, proteins are less complete. If you get sufficient amounts of protein, then it becomes less important. So if you're eating 160 grams of protein, even if it's all plant-based, then uh, you can still technically get all the amino acids that you need it's just that you need more protein to achieve that. Whereas you, 
160 grams of plant-based protein, you can get the same effect from maybe 100 grams of animal protein or 90 grams of animal protein right. because it's higher quality. And uh, if you're you know, doing an intermittent fasting schedule, then um, you need to be more on point with uh, yeah, the meal quality or the nutrient density of that meal So uh, yeah. because you're eating less often. So to not miss out on the opportunity of getting the nutrients and uh, the calories, then those meals have to be like um, slightly more you know, optimized from the micronutrient and macro standpoint. That's such a good, such a good point. What, what do you think of if you go into an exercise state in autophagy, let's say you do a HIIT workout, so you now you're double hitting autophagy, and then you come out of your exercise and you do, you get that amino acid trigger that triggers uh, mTOR, so you, you break your fast with 30 grams of protein. What, what I've seen as a 52-year-old woman is that's a heck of a way to build muscle because you're leaning everything out, but then you come in with mTOR and you're powering everything back up. Do you mm-hmm. feel like, and, and as women, I mean, women break down muscle as they start to age and they lose hormones, they lose neurotransmitters. But do you think that's a good strategy if we want to keep a lean, fit look, still build muscle, still stimulate autophagy? Do we just need to backfill in with, with protein? Um, yeah, I mean, it does, you know, it's almost like this wax on, wax off <laughs> approach yeah, that you need right. to deplete and you also need to replenish. If you're like fasting all the time and you're not recovering your calorie restricting and your restricting protein, but you're not eating back, then um, eventually you will just, you know, become frail and, uh, you know, maybe get a hip fracture or something like that. So, yeah, right. you do. It is very important, especially after 50s. Uh, to take yeah like the training and exercise side important and uh, the it becomes more important to eat more protein the older you get so uh, you know young you can yeah get away with less protein but the older the um, you generally need more protein and uh, research does suggest also that you know in the elderly in like 70s or 80 year olds uh, then um, higher protein intakes are better for them, uh, for right. sure. And uh, they are recommended to consume more protein by the um, authorities as well. So um, yeah. Yeah, I think that it's very you know, important to replenish after the workout. And at that point, you don't have to worry about, or am I stopping Atavashi by consuming this protein or carbs or whatever, because you've already done the work or you, you've already given your body the signal that it needs to turn on these pathways. And it's not going to, yeah, I don't think it's going to like, you know, revert or reverse the work that you did like it's not going to take it back it's going to still stick around well and and it what i why i always like to highlight it is i feel like in the fasting community there's a lot of criticism of muscle breakdown and the way that i teach fasting the way i know you teach it is like yeah you fast and then you eat like this is Mm. not about like calorie restriction all day long this is about to your point i love the wax on wax off that's a beautiful analogy so but as we age we're losing sight of the empower of protein so i think it's Mm. really uh that was really well said the the other one that i've thought about with research is i don't know if you saw this study i mean you read a whole book on immunity so you probably did um but when a cell is in a state of autophagy the viruses can't replicate inside that cell did you and that was actually a study specifically done on covid that if a Mm. if the covid virus if it had came into a cell that was a sugar burner with lots of glucose it would go in there, it would munch on glucose, and it would gain power and replicate. Whereas if the COVID virus came into a cell in autophagy, it actually shut the replication down. 
do you, do you, what do you know about that study? And the way my brain went was, well, gosh, let's get everybody fasting during the pandemic. And we just shut, that's like a great antiviral that lives within us. What, mm. what are your thoughts on that? Um, I haven't seen that particular study, but um, yeah, like, like from a physiology side, it uh, is uh, congruent or it does uh, fit the idea of how autology works. And uh, yeah, I think that um, in a lot of cases, yeah, like it's harder or it's easier to, you know, prevent the uh, onset of uh, viral replication in the beginning or, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, compared to doing it later. Like uh, right. it's harder to like catch up on a virus if it's already spread around a lot compared to, uh, you know, preventing it or stopping it from getting in in the first place. So yeah. uh, I do think that, yeah, it's probably... Um, if your body is quote unquote, like, you know, in this energy depleted state, or uh, there isn't a lot of energy around your body is like very self-sufficient. It's uh, cleaning everything up. It doesn't have like a surplus of energy in the bloodstream and in the cells, then uh, yeah, it makes sense that there is, you know, it's, there's not a lot of um, grip for anything Mm. to kind of catch on. Yeah. I, I actually played with it a little bit. I got, when I got COVID, I was like, well, let me fast and see how I feel. And then the next day I was like, let me eat and see how I feel. I feel for sure. The day that I fasted, I felt so much better. Like I felt like my body was just the immune system was working so much more efficiently. By the end of the day, I was like, I think I'm, you know, I only had symptoms for about five days and they were really minor. Um, mm. But then if the day I ate, I was like, oh man, I don't feel as good. So mm. it's an interesting thing to think about when we're dealing with the time when all these weird viruses are, are appearing um, mm. that we have our own internal mechanisms that we can tap into. So yeah. I'll, se- I'll send you the study because I, I geeked out on it for a while. I was like, why doesn't everybody know this? Everybody should mm. know this. So yeah. um, fasting, is de- fasting is definitely very potent against uh, bacteria. And uh, even like thing. animals, they stop eating when they're under some bacterial infection. And right. um, yeah, I think it's the, the scientific term for that is uh, infection-induced anorexia. So, mm-hmm. so you, you get less hungry if you're uh, sick generally. Yeah. It needs to be infection-induced autophagy. Anorexia <laughs> has a little bit of a yeah. negative stigmatism to it. What, um, talk about some herbs that, you know, we've, we've, we've heard spermidine, uh, you know, can enhance autophagy. I know that coffee can enhance autophagy. What do you think of all those supplements that are out there claiming to to enhance autophagy? Is it, are they worth looking at and which ones are they? Um, yeah, well, I think some of the more natural supplements or compounds, beyond just, you know, green tea and uh, coffee would be um, curcumin and ginger are very, like, natural food substances that also, like, activate AMPK and uh, have anti-inflammatory effects and uh, boost autology. There's uh, cayenne pepper that Mm -hmm. uh, does it as well. And all these, like, different herbs and spices, rosemary, thyme, they probably have uh, that effect as well. And... uh, yeah, probably the reason because of like this polyphenol content. Um, so yeah, polyphenols generally do it as well, like in in different vegetables and uh, you know dark skins of berries and the these polyphenols uh, stimulate autology or help to boost it as well. Cruciferous vegetables as well. 
would it be as simple as if I take a turmeric supplement? Let's, I'm just throwing that one out there in my fasting window. Now I'm amping up my possibly amping up the autophagy effect of my cells. Can we look at it? That is it that one to one of a relationship? Uh Potentially, I mean, yeah, I mean, curcumin can be pretty powerful. Depends on like how how you take it, um, like a supplement, like five hundred milligrams or something. That probably will. Um, if you take it like a, just a teaspoon mm. or something, maybe that's not like a big enough of a dose uh, to get it. Uh, but I think it still will have like some effects. Yeah. And um, you know, optimally, you would also want to get something that has fats to absorb the turmeric better. So maybe like. The most like, you know, autophagic fat or uh, most ketotic fat would be MCT oil uh, because it uh, yeah. Yeah, boosts ketones and uh, doesn't raise the blood sugar, those kind of things. So, yeah, MCT oil or coconut oil uh, would be maybe good to take with uh, that like fat soluble uh, supplement. Yeah, yeah. And th- that's where I feel like it's like the wild, wild west of autophagy out there. Like, you know, mm. everybody wants to know once they discover how cool this cellular healing process is, it's like, well, what's my fastest path there? How do mm-hmm. I get there? And let me accelerate it. And then yeah. you've got all these supplements that are that are coming out. So, yeah, um, there is like, I mean, the, the most like, you know, powerful autophagy supplement or a drug would be like rapamycin or metformin, probably, mm. because, you know, they uh, just suppress mTOR and uh, insulin which will then automatically turn on autophagy as well, pretty potently. Like if there is a, like an exercise in a pill, then that would be it or as close as it <laughs> we could get. But I mean, they also have a lot of side effects. I was and, just going to uh, say, yeah, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think that, you know, they're worth it to take, uh, but yeah, they do similar autophagy as well. And I mean, there's many other compounds like, um, you know, sulforaphane and uh, NMN and uh, resveratrol, uh, even, even like glucosamine, does it mm-hmm. so uh, yeah there's there are like plenty of supplements that help to boost it interesting um talk a little bit about when we first started you said there is some new science on autophagy do you have anything new that we're learning about autophagy in general right now i feel like uh the curiosity about around autophagy is is at a peak people want to know about it they want to understand it is there anything that we is new and innovative way of looking at autophagy that we we haven't discussed here um, well, one uh, very new study that I saw was in August 29, and uh, it was actually about rapamycin that mm-hmm. uh, in uh, fruit flies and the mice, using rapamycin for only three months was giving pretty much the exact uh, lifespan extension effects as giving the rapamycin uh, throughout their lifetime. So like, just a three-month like three period was enough <laughs> to see like a lifelong uh, benefit on that and uh, the the, uh, the mechanism by which it was, it was through like gut autophagy as well. So uh, the yeah. rapamycin suppressing mTOR and then the gut autophagy was kind of the, the they explained it to be the reason why these um, mice and flies live the longer. Of course, three months in mice and flies is like the equivalent of, I don't know, 10 years in humans or something like that. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, it's still like another really practical thing. But yeah, that's just an interesting uh, interesting study indicating that uh yeah it has benefits and actually like another study uh about nmn also showed that that nmn helped with uh, gut autophagy as well so um yeah gut stuff is <laughs> maybe popping is up it now. all 
it all comes back to the gut, right? I feel like we like we, you, we go down these rabbit holes of science and then we always realize, oh, wait, we got to think about the microbes. We got to come back to, to what their effect is on our human cells. So what, what's your personal fasting regime? Like, do you have a, do you fast every day? Do you vary your fast? I'm curious how you approach fasting. Uh, yeah. So um, usually I eat like one meal a day in the dinner and uh, during the daytime, I will have like, you know, coffee or uh, some other tea, something else. I may add like a bit of uh, milk to the coffee, but uh, not like a large amount. And uh, during uh, my workout in the afternoon, I'll consume like a protein shake to mm. help with the workout. So I'm getting like maybe like one and a half meals per day. Uh, but the most of the calories come in the, um, in the dinner. Yeah. So yeah. So you have like one main meal and a few little snacks. Yeah. Type. yeah. That's yeah. that's actually my go-to as well. I like to when I break my fast, I usually kind of gradually go into it, and then I eat my big meal at dinner. Mm. So yeah, I absolutely agree. So okay, to finish this up, and this is thank you by the way for having this discussion with me. You know, um, you you probably get a thousands of questions on your YouTube channel as do we. And um, the the questions I just asked you, I feel like we keep getting over and over again. And it's such a cool concept that people really should grab this. We should not forget how powerful our bodies are. So, yeah. uh, so I appreciate that. Um, here's my last question for you. And it has nothing to do with autophagy. Uh, what do you have a gratitude practice? Like, do you have something you do every day for gratitude? I I've been working on spreading more, uh, gratitude to the world. And if so, what is it? And is there something in 2022 that you're incredibly grateful for? Cause we, we just came out of a time where everybody didn't like what was going on. And now mm -hmm. there's a lot of good happening. Is there something this year that you're really grateful for? Um, well, this year I'm, uh, grateful for uh my wife who we actually recently got married oh congrats last week, last week? Last so, week? Uh, oh my god yeah. congrats that's awesome yeah. thanks and uh yeah i mean just you know um yeah it just makes me grateful <laughs> yeah i bet i bet do you so and do you have a daily gratitude practice that you do do you meditate do you get out in nature you have anything in particular that you do uh, not every day, but um, yeah, sometimes I just have like maybe a few moments where I'm just thinking about yeah things to be grateful for. Usually in relation to like you know other um, I don't know, events going on in the world and uh, yes, just like a brief uh, moment of gratitude. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, okay, you have some really cool books that I want people to know about, uh, really good ones, one on minerals, one on immunity. Um, but you talked a little bit about how you, you have a book on autophagy, an e-book, is that correct? Or is it is it an actual soft cover? Um, yeah, I mean, it's an e-book as well as a, a paperback, and uh, it's called Metabolic Autophagy, which, uh, yeah, goes into a lot of the like pathways that regulate both mTOR and Alavagi and AMBK, as well as giving like more practical tips of how to do it. And right. uh, yeah, I have it. You can get it on Amazon as well, but uh, on my website, you can get it for free if you just pay for the shipping. It's uh, on seamland.co. 
Beautiful. Okay, well, we'll leave that link in there because our audience is a very inquisitive audience and I love that they want to geek out on this stuff. So that's an incredible resource. So thank you. Where else can people find you? You you have a great YouTube channel. I follow you on Instagram. Are there other places that people can go learn from you? Uh, yeah, I mean, YouTube and Instagram are the main uh, channels. So it's a uh, Seamland on both of them. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you. I appreciate you entertaining my autophagy brain and, uh, and going down this path with me. And, you know, like you, I just want people to believe in their own healing power and nothing will tell you that your body can repair itself, like understanding autophagy. So, uh, just re really appreciate you and, um, hope our, our, I hope our paths cross live one day. Are you coming to any conferences in America to speak at all? Um, not this year, but uh, maybe next. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, it was a great, really appreciate being invited and uh, yeah, enjoyed talking. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.